Welcome to Bible Chapter Every Day. I'm Matthew. Our chapter today is Genesis 6. Let's ask God to bless our time today. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would have faith in you, even when you tell us things that are outside of our experience, but that we would trust you and that we would act on that faith and trust knowing that you will keep your promises. Amen. Genesis 6 And it happened that when humankind began to multiply on the face of the ground, daughters were born to them. Then the sons of God saw that the daughters of humankind, that they were beautiful, and they took for themselves wives from all that they chose. And Yahweh said, My spirit shall not abide with humankind forever, in that he is also flesh, and his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were upon the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went into the daughters of humankind, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty warriors that were from ancient times men of renown. And Yahweh saw that the evil of humankind was great upon the earth, and every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was always only evil. And Yahweh regretted that he had made humankind on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And Yahweh said, I will destroy humankind whom I have created from upon the face of the earth, from humankind to animals to creeping things, and to the birds of heaven, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of Yahweh. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, without defect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth was corrupted before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted its way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth was filled with violence because of them. Now look, I am going to destroy them along with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of cypress wood. You must make the ark with rooms. Then you must cover it with pitch, inside and outside. And this is how you must make it. The length of the ark, three hundred cubits. Its width, fifty cubits. Its height, thirty cubits. You must make a roof for the ark, and finish it to a cubit above. And as for the door of the ark, you must put it in its side. You must make it with a lower, second, and third deck. And I, behold, I am about to bring the floodwaters over the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life from under the heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish, and I will establish my covenant with you, and you must go into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and the wives of your sons with you. And of every living thing from all flesh you must bring two from every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, from the birds according to their kind and from the animals according to their kind, 
from every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind. Two from every kind shall come to you to keep them alive. And as for you, take for yourself from every kind of food that is eaten, and you must gather it to yourself, and it shall be for you and for them for food. And Noah did according to all that God commanded him. Thus he did. Well, that's the reading. Let's dig in. At the beginning of chapter 5, we started one of Moses' sections, and we are still in that section at the beginning of this chapter. Chapter 5 was a genealogy getting us up to Noah and his sons. Now in chapter 6, we have this description of how things were getting bad. People were multiplying, as God had commanded them, but the problem comes in verse 2. Then the sons of God saw that the daughters of humankind, that they were beautiful, and they took for themselves wives from all that they chose. Some people have taken the sons of God to mean angels or some spirit beings coming to earth. Another reading would be that the sons of God were the people who were still serving God, and that they saw that the wicked people had beautiful daughters and married them for their beauty, rather than thinking about what type of wife would help them raise children who look to God. Clearly, that is a point later in the Old Testament, if it isn't the point here. We can think of Solomon as the prime example of someone who married ungodly wives and they turned him away from God. People who believe that these were angels or some higher beings coming to earth consider the mighty warriors as some sort of superhumans because of the higher beings fathering them. Then God decrees 120 years. But it isn't clear what God is decreeing. It may be that he is decreeing 120 years until the flood, or it may be that God is decreeing that the lifespan will decrease from the roughly 900 years before the flood to roughly 120 at some point in a few generations. Moses mentions 80 years as a long lifespan in Psalm 90, although Moses himself lived to 120. God saw that humans' only thoughts were evil, and it made him sad. So he decided to destroy not only all the humans, but basically the entire earth as well. That is a sad way to end this section, but that's actually typical of Moses' sections. We saw at the end of chapter 4 that things were getting bad at the end of that section. But there was this glimmer of hope in Seth's line, and so it is bad here, but there is this glimmer of hope in Noah. So verse 9 starts the next of Moses' sections. Verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah is described as righteous and that he walked with God. It sounds like Noah was perfect, but I don't think that he never sinned up to this point. So God tells Noah that he's going to destroy all flesh. He says he will destroy the earth and the wicked people together. So he tells Noah to build an ark, which means a boat, basically, It is to be 300 cubits long. A cubit is the length from a person's elbow to the tips of their fingers. So it depends on whose arm you're using as the standard cubit. You wouldn't want different people measuring the different sides of the ark and ending up with one side longer than the other. In round numbers, a cubit would be about one and a half feet, or half a meter. So in American terms, the ark would be a football field and a half long. The width would be a lot less than the width of a football field. The height was quite high for three decks at 30 cubits, so in American terms that would be a 15-foot ceiling on each if each deck was the same distance apart. 
and it was to be covered with pitch or tar. And it had a single door, which I'm sure was large, so that they could load all the food and animals. God says that everything outside the ark that has breath is going to die. But God first uses the word covenant here. God is making a covenant with Noah. Noah is going to take two of each kind of animal on the ark with him to keep them alive. So Noah has to gather a lot of food for his family and all of the animals to live on for over a year. And it says that Noah did everything God commanded him. And now for a deeper dive. This idea of a worldwide flood is out of our realm of experience. And for good reason, as we will see at the end, God promises never to flood the whole world again. And since it seems almost impossible based on our experience, many people have suggested that it was just a local flood rather than worldwide. Of course, that brings up the question of why would God need Noah to build a boat and take all the animals on board? He could just have Noah and the animals travel outside of the flood zone. Also, if it was just local, then what exactly does God promise at the end of the flood when he says he will not destroy everything with a flood again? There have always been local floods. Some of them have killed quite a few people. But when we read things in the Bible that are outside of our experience, we have a choice. To believe God or to only believe what we have experienced ourselves. To have faith, or not to have faith. Now, this isn't blind faith. We have evidence and testimony here. But we weren't physically there to see it ourselves. Well, that is sort of the same for Noah. God told Noah ahead of time that he was going to flood the world. So Noah had a choice. To believe God, or not to believe God. Noah had never seen a worldwide flood. Noah chose faith in God, and that faith showed up in action. He did what God told him to do. He built a massive ark when he couldn't see the flood. Hebrews 11 makes a point of Noah working by faith, and by acting in faith, he pronounced sentence on the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. It would have taken years to build that ark. There were plenty of people around who probably laughed at Noah. And in fact, Peter calls Noah a proclaimer of righteousness. So Noah was proclaiming his faith for years, building the ark. It seems to me that Peter is saying that Noah was telling people to join him and be saved from the flood. So, how about us? Do we have faith in God? That God is going to judge this world? That there is a way of salvation? Are we proclaiming that? And are we showing that faith in our actions? Scripture quotations are from the Lexham English Bible. Copyright 2012, Logos Bible Software. Lexham is a registered trademark of Logos Bible Software.